The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. The tightening up of a lot of the regulations that we operate within, particularly the independence rules, and obviously, obviously in Europe, we have the Barnier reforms now, which we've been living with for 12, 13 years around mandatory firm rotation. All of these things add to, if you like, from a, from a business point of view, additional costs and constraints within which we operate under. And obviously, there are synergies of our current model. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been like this for the last 100 years. I think the changes in the regulatory landscape, the points around capital, the points around clients wanting more choice, I think is adding to the pressures to actually look at this. That was Andy Baldwin, Global Managing Partner of EY, speaking to Breaking Views Exchange podcast in late 2022. Over the past two weeks, his firm, along with PwC, have been in focus. There's been a tax scandal at PwC and accusations of shoddy work at EY. But what implications do these issues have for the idea of breaking up the big four? Stay tuned for this week's Views Room. Welcome back to The Views Room, a podcast from Reuters Breaking Views, where columnists from around the world talk about the big stories of the week. I'm your host, Amy Donlan, coming to you from London. Two of the big four accountancy firms are making headlines. But unlike earlier this year, when it was all about EY's planned breakup, EY and its rival PwC are in the midst of scandals involving their tax and consultancy arms. This is important because there is an argument that these firms, along with their rivals KPMG and Deloitte, would be better off breaking up, splitting off the fast-growing consulting businesses from their audit units. But that may be even trickier now that the spotlight is on the fast-growing advisory businesses. So there's a lot to discuss, but luckily I have Anthony Curry, an editor at Breaking Views, who is also in Australia, where one of the scandals is going on. Anthony, you are very welcome back to the newsroom. Amy, thanks for having me on. It's great to be back. So, Anthony, I think it probably would be best to start off with PwC, because this is a very, very big story that's going on for them in mm. Australia. It has been rumbling around for many months. But can you tell us exactly what what is going on with PwC? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's really a, it's a fascinating anatomy of a corporate scandal, really. And and it's almost a stereotype. So if you go, but this, this first broke here properly in January, when one of the local papers, the Australian Financial Review, cottoned on to the fact, and was the first one to do it, that, that a partner at PwC Australia, uh, Peter Collins, had left a few months before, and that in December, two months after he'd left, he was uh, censured and suspended by uh, the local tax authorities, as it were. The, I'm going to try and get the right name for you here. It's uh, what do they call themselves? Uh, I'm not going to find it now. Am I? No, of course I'm not. Um, no, the Tax Practitioners Board, one of those wonderful names. Um, and he, the, he was suspended for integrity breaches. Right? So it's one person in January, it's AFR gets the story. And you think, OK, it's one person. And the, the CEO of PwC Australia, Tom Seymour, comes out and says, don't worry, it's an age old case from a decade or so ago. And he's left the firm and it's just nothing. It's almost like when Jamie Dimon described uh, a great big crisis JP Morgan had almost a, over a decade ago as a tempest in a teapot, you know, when they, which ended up with them losing six billion dollars on some weird derivatives trades. Um, so it sort of goes silent for a little bit. 
And, you know, the, the, the treasurer of Australia, you know, basically the finance secretary, Jim Chalmers, says this is absolutely terrible. I'm ropeable, as they say in Australia, because he's really angry about this. Um, and what basically happened is that Collins, uh, who was in the tax division, as a senior partner, uh, had been asked to come over the wall or whatever you want to get inside the tent, you know, whatever the phrases that you use these days, uh, by the Australian government who wanted tax experts to help advise them on the best way of changing the laws so that they could make sure that multinational companies, I mean, there's especially tech companies like Facebook and Apple and, and Alphabet, would actually pay the taxes that they should. Right. And it's all part of an OECD thing, I think, that was going on as well to try and make sure that sort of multinational companies uh, paid their taxes properly. So he signed all these confidentiality agreements, then shared that with his colleagues, who then went out and used that to uh, try and get business and probably succeeded actually in getting business from a bunch of multinational companies to try and make sure that they could use the information that Peter Collins got from working with the government to make sure that these companies didn't pay as much tax as the government wanted them to. Really this, pretty dicey stuff. And this actually is so interesting, right, because this is essentially what regulators are concerned about with these big professional services companies being together, having mm. all these different units together, the tax, the yeah. consulting, the audit, is that they're cross-selling to each other, they're benefiting from all of this yeah. information. And so many regulators have come up with all sorts of different ideas as to how they could you know, stop that from happening. But, but there is this, this sense that regulators are moving towards them splitting those businesses completely, right? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, actually, I, I, I'm uh, sadly old enough to remember um, when Anderson Consulting and Arthur Anderson, before the Enron and WorldCom scandals killed the business, well, at least killed Arthur Anderson, uh, where Arthur Anderson and Anderson Consulting in the late 90s, their agreement to cooperate, take money from each other whenever it, it, it benefited each other, broke down, which led then to Accenture being spun off. And becoming an independent company and part of the problem was that they sort of created an independent company within arthur anderson and then arthur anderson set up a rival consulting arm. and this is all before enron but they decided it's easier to split up uh, and you think well this must be a signal to all of them to do the same thing and here we are t almost 25 years later um going over the same ground yeah. right and and, th and this time it's regulators saying but here are the back then it was like well we're having problems internally we'll fix it now it's like but you have problems internally, so we need to fix it. But the the, the weird thing about it down here is that this one thing it seemed they, they were playing as one person. You know, in fact, after a couple of a couple of months, like in March, at some point, Tom Seymour, the CEO, described all the sort of fallout that was coming from this, which still haven't got that big, but all the fallout from it as a perception problem that PwC Australia was suffering from. Fast forward a couple of months. The, uh, the parliament has set up an inquiry. Loads of emails have been handed over. It turns out that eight to ten partners were in on the game with Peter Collins. Another 40 at least, including Tom Seymour, the CEO, have been on at least one email internally describing the ability to help these multinational clients. Not necessarily that all those partners knew that it was inside information from the government. Seymour's gone. Um, there's been a big uh, hullabaloo. And it spread to the entire firm. So it wasn't just the tax consultants. In fact, the tax consultants seem fine. I mean, maybe it's because the financial year here ends at the end of June, and maybe that we haven't seen the fallout to the tax consultants. I don't, I don't know, but the fallout went immediately to the to the consult the regular consulting business, especially to the government consulting business, which is pretty big down here. In fact, it's like twenty percent of PwC's Australia business, um, and you had 
the Royal Bank of Australia, the Reserve Bank of Australia, the Central Bank, you had the Defence Department and others all saying, maybe we shouldn't do as much business with uh, PwC's consulting arm, which then had PwC go, what do we do? So they sold the government consulting arm, which wasn't directly involved in the scandal. They thought we better sell it to keep it going. And they sold it for a dollar, an Australian dollar, which is like, well, I think as, as, as of this morning, about 63 and a half cents, US cents. So they sold it for virtually nothing. 1,200 people, um, 120 partners. I think I've got those numbers right. 20% of PW Australia, PwC Australia, which is a 3.4 billion Australian dollar revenue business. And the $680 million consulting business has gone for a dollar. That's yeah. how bad things got. And that's even before getting into how regulators look bad and um, how the internal review PwC Australia came up with makes it look like they had a lot more problems than just this one person. I mean, like I said, it's the anatomy of a, it's almost a stereotype of, exa- of, a, of a crisis, core crisis where one person begins the journey and, OK, it took a long time, but 10 years later, it involves everyone and everything. I mean, it's a mess. Yes, absolutely. And there is a smaller story going on in the UK uh, which is that EY um, basically was forced to offer a £15 million refund to Santander over advice, consulting advice that it gave about financial crime. So EY itself reckons that this, you know, the scourge of financial crime costs the world, you know, about trillions of dollars. So, right. I mean, you would imagine that is a very big area that they want to move into, lucrative in yeah. terms of fees. So this was, again, another sort of more embarrassing, I think, than the the PwC situation is for for EY. But EY obviously, you know, is the is the company that tried and failed to break up. this. It's a much it's a much bigger story, right, because they did try to break up. I mean, you've been all over this story. I mean, it's is, is it essentially dead in the water now, the breakup? Well, you see, when they, I mean, basically, again, how this all came about with the breakup was that, you know, they tried, it was leaked out, they weren't quite ready for it to be announced. And then they had to very quickly scramble and kind of set up why this would be beneficial to all sides, which is quite Mm. a tricky thing to do. There was like 70 different practices around the world that they had to get agreement from. Uh, The partners all had to agree. And these partners are used to earning like over a million dollars a year. So you had to convince them that this was going to, to do well for them. In the end, it was the U.S. business that sort of refused and said, we want you to pause this because they're both essentially fighting over the tax business. Interestingly, again, for PwC, the tax business was what they both audit and consulting really wanted. So the 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 tax is essentially what gets you in the door of these big Googles, Meta. How do you we can help you reduce your global tax bill? And Mm. all the other stuff gets sold alongside that. But that is a very big saving that they sell yeah. that they can they can sell to their clients it is interesting is that the taxes are half this i suppose it's, it's no big surprise if i think back over my four trillion years as a journalist now covering all various scandals even like you know talking to companies about what they do or investment banks talking about derivatives trades what makes you special with your derivatives business and often it was about using them to help companies avoid taxes right so tax seems to be at the heart of so many things yes. big companies and, 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 and rich people want to avoid paying taxes you know shocker you heard the news here first i know but but the fact that these big professional services companies as they call them everything seems to revolve around tax i mean i suppose we shouldn't be surprised but it still is kind of a surprise. 
But your question, though, about whether this idea of a breakup is dead in the water, I think is 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 definitely no. I don't think mm. the idea is dead in the water. I think that the way regulators are moving is they don't like mm. these businesses being together. They don't like the idea that audit quality is not what it should be. They think that if audit was separated by itself and there were people who just focused on audit, that the quality of audits would be better. You would avoid having wire cards and carillions and all these types of disasters that happen. And the the actual the consultancy businesses themselves, the EYs of the world are saying we want to separate it. That's why they wanted to do it. They said, mm. look at Accenture. It's over worth over two hundred billion dollars. You know, that is a consulting business that they you know would like to to, to be like. Um, so but what I think that is interesting about these two stories is that I think they make the argument harder, that it makes it more difficult to break up these businesses if the consulting tax, if that is tainted in some ways or not even tainted, if the investment case is less reliable. Yeah, I think that that makes it hard. And then if you look at the valuations of Capgemini and Accenture are the two like listed consultancy businesses mm. in the world, the valuations of those have come down in the past year. And that's nothing to do with scandal or anything. That's just to do with basically the global economy. So yeah, their valuations yeah. are coming down. So if you were EY looking at this plan last year, the numbers don't stack up as much as they did as they do today. So we kind of we've talked talked about this before. Peter Tal Larson, our global head of, of breaking views, and I were discussing this sort of the unhappy marriage analogy of mm. basically these companies staying together. And I, I think that the more trouble they have, but you know, the harder it is for them to separate. I think that's what it looks like. Yeah, that's that that that's that's pretty damning from there, isn't for them though, isn't it? I mean, I mean, okay, fair enough. In, in a year or two's time, maybe when once assuming the economy does recover enough. I mean, it's not in a, in the doldrums, but yes, I get your point that everyone's worried that it gets worse. But in a year or two's time, would those numbers look better, and would that make it easier, or is it more than just that the num that that the economy suffering, and the numbers have come down? It doesn't make as good sense as it did beforehand. I mean, down here, I mean, I think they would love down in Australia, they being the, the the government and the regulators and even actually some of the companies. I mean, one of the things that happened, it wasn't just the government consult, uh, the government's uh, arms that were saying, let's pause how much we're using the consulting on PwC. It was you know, three of the biggest, the three biggest pension funds here, among others, also said, we're going to pause as well. So private companies started thinking, let's not use them for now if there's a brand problem. And that's that's really worrying, right? It's like if you're going to start losing all of your business and even spread. I've got a friend of mine who works for another consulting firm who uh, it became sort of open season on consulting firms. Like if you work for a, if you had a consulting firm working for a government department, you started pushing back a lot, whether it was right or not to do so. And he was not having a pleasant time of it. And he didn't work for the uh, for PwC. So there's definitely a desire to see change down here. But if if it's more than just shortish term valuations that's stopping them, I don't know. I, know, I don't be. think it's that. Yeah. I, I think that if you have like the way I would see it is the problem child of these businesses has always been audit, right? Audit gets them into mm. the headlines for all the wrong reasons. The regulators look at them and say, how could you let these how could you let these these things, mm. you know, go under? How could you not see that there were problems? How could everyone else see it and you didn't see it? So the audit has always get, gotten a bit of a kicking. And the problem is now, I think, is that the consulting business, if you see more of these issues, I think that the more you have unfortunate headlines around the consulting or tax business, it just makes it that bit harder to argue that 
the valuation of the consulting business will be high enough that it will be able to pay off the audit if that's if that's your plan if you either can sell part of it or spin it off or list it but that seems to be sort of a crucial part of it and also it's it, the tax part is not resolved right as in pwc's mm. tax aren't being embroiled in the scandal it doesn't make it any less likely that the the, the sides will fight over the tax business because they do they do need it and i suppose the hope is that this will this will wash over and people will forget Yes, and also, I mean, the, the, also that the, what I've learned from the tax scandal down here, and in fact, this came out with, from the the independent review. I say independent; it was it was commissioned by um, PwC in May, PwC Australia. It came out last week, and it's you know it does paint a rather damning picture of the overall governance of the company. Not that it was absolutely awful, but they clearly weren't taking their own advice, and maybe this is part of the problem for all of them. You know, the whole point of their business model is. Um, let us into your company so we can advise you what to do. But they kept outsiders out completely. Like there was no one on the board. In fact, they've never had an outsider on the board, for example. Um, they the, the CEO was basically a, a, a sort of uh, an enlightened despot in many respects. You know, whoever it was had, the, had the, the say over everything. So not that I'm saying that having an independent board with an independent chairman is a panacea for everything. But if you close yourself off and you don't have anyone outside questioning what you're doing enough that really doesn't help um and through all of this you've still got you know if it if it started and continued through the tax uh, business spinning off the businesses doesn't mean you're not going to have those bad actors again it's about stopping them or stopping them quickly or early and having the processes to make sure it doesn't happen often or at all that's the more important thing i suppose that that we've learned from from the issues down here uh, and breakups don't necessarily do that, but if it helps change the structure and focus people's minds more, maybe it'll help. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. sounds like what you're saying is not going to happen anytime soon. It doesn't seem that way. It doesn't seem that way. Well, Anthony, unless you've great. got to sell it for a dollar on because you've got no other choice. <laughs> well, Anthony, plenty to chat about. I'm sure we'll be chatting again about this. Thank you so much I for your so, time. Yeah. Yeah, pleasure, Amy. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast was produced by Oliver Tashlich in London. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Catch up with our latest views and much more on BreakingViews.com and on X, where our handle is at BreakingViews. I'm Kim Vanell. Join me every morning for a roundup of what's happening at home and around the world. From the front line in Ukraine. Extraordinary how these people adjust and uh, even laugh when you take cover. To the heart of US politics. When Trump said that he expected to be arrested, it seems like he was trying to get ahead of the story. We bring you everything you need to know in 10 minutes. For your essential daily briefing, follow Reuters World News wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.